are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. On your radio, Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Parshas Ki Seitzei, Tav Shin Pei Gimel. We are already in Kodesh, Elom, a weekend to, to, to the month. And got lots and lots to do, lots and lots to talk about this this week in preparation for a beautiful Shabbos, preparation for Rosh Hashanah and Yermadin coming up. And therefore, a warm, warm welcome to each and every one of you for taking the time on a busy area of Shabbos to come spend a few minutes, hopefully, our daven to Hashem, that we'll be able to learn something together, we'll be able to inspire each other, we'll be able to make this Shabbos a unique and special Shabbos in our lives with real meaning, with real depth, with real intensity, and, and with real and serious lima Torah, which is what life is all is all about. Let's go to the very end of the Pasha, where we are reminded again of what Amalek did to us when we came out of Mitzrayim, Asher Derech, that Amalek chanced upon you on the way. And Rashi comments, Amalek cooled you off from your burning heat. Right? The nations feared the, the Christ or the people. Why? Thus, they distanced themselves from any kind of altercation with Christ. Amalek don't worry, he comforted all their fears. Says, and this may be compared, he says, to a scalding hot bath, which everyone fears entering. Suddenly, one man comes along and jumps in. He is scalded, but now others no longer feel the, the, uh, the bath, right? He cooled it off for others. This analogy seems incorrect. Because on the contrary, once the people observe the burn status of the man who jumped in, they're even more likely to stay to stay away. Likewise, once the nation saw what happened to Amalek, they had every reason not to attack the Jewish nation. So Ravenach Libowitz that's how explains that the reason that people stayed away from the scalding bath and the waters was partially that they feared being burnt. Furthermore, they thought that it was impossible to jump in because of the heat. In other words, they feared becoming scalded and they thought that it was impossible to enter the burning hot waters. Likewise, the nations feared the Jewish people like a normal person feels a hot bath. Also, as a result, they kind of conjectured in their, in their, in their minds that it was impossibility to achieve. One cannot simply enter a scolding hot bath. Amalek showed them otherwise. True. He was badly burnt, but he broke the notion that it was impossible. If enough people do the impossible, 
<laughs> it becomes possible. Amalek was burnt. But the stigma kind of surrounding the Jews had, had lapsed. It could be done. They might become burned, but it could be done. We now have a deeper insight into the effect that exposure to, let's say, Chil Shabbos and a, a lack of, of Kashub's observance and lack of other sort of uh, mitzvah observance has on the unsuspecting eye. At first, one who sees others participating in all kinds of sinful behavior will say, bah, that would never happen to me. But after, after seeing it more often, however, his defenses begin to wear down. Right? When he sees others like him, normal people with a similar background, right? For some inexplicable reason, choose to, to, uh, 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 abandon the religious observance in which they were raised and for which so many have sacrificed. What was once an impossibility in his mind has now become feasible. The friends, we keep, and the places we visit have a powerful effect on our line of thinking. Right? How circumspect we need to be in selecting the appropriate environment and the individuals with whom we share our time. What we believe could never happen, happens more often than we even care to admit. This is 101.9 FM. The program is Soul to Soul. Please stay with us. There's much, much more coming. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, back on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh. Pashas Kisetze. Top Shin Pei Gimel. As we get ready for another amazing Shabbos. But we are on Kodesh Elul. So let's see if you can somehow put together an idea that deals with the week's Pasha, but is also something that we can take with us as we prepare in, in for Chodesh, for Chodesh Elul. So the week's Pasha, of course, is Kiseitze, and it's always read. Every year, usually, on the first, sometimes the second Shabbos of, of Chodesh, Chodesh Elul. So let's start by focusing on a pasuk in the Pasha that reflects on the wonderful gift of the month of El. In HaKadosh Baruch tremendous racham and mercy and kindness, HaKadosh Baruch granted us this month to perform complete tshuva, so to speak, to make amends for all the Averis we've committed during the past year. Here is the Pasuk. Pasuk says, Ki yikach ish, The man will marry a new wife. Lo He may not go out to the army. Right? Nor shall he obligate him for any matter. No He shall be free for his house. For one year, 
And he shall gladden his wife for whom he has, whom he has, whom he has married. So let's begin with the incredible remarks of, of the Arizal in, in the Kute Torah. He, he interprets this opening sukkim of the Pasha as a, a, an allusion to the process of tshuva that we're obligated to perform during the month of, 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 of El. He says, when you go out to war against your enemies, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu will deliver you into your hands, and you will capture its people as captives, and you'll see amongst its captives, a woman who is beautiful, a form, right? You will desire her and you will take her for yourself as a wife. You shall bring her to the midst of your house. She shall shave her head and let her nails grow. She shall remove the garment of her captivity from upon herself and she shall sit in your house and she shall weep for her father and her mother for a full month. Thereafter, you may come to her and live with her, and she will be a wife to you. That's that's the psukim that we've said so far. The Ariza interprets this psukim as follows. When you'll go out to war against your enemy, refers to the Yetzirah. And it's all of its malevolent kind of forces that go around it. And you will capture its people as captives, and you will see among them a captive, a woman who is beautiful of form, alludes to the neshama that is in captivity within, within the physical body that is fraught with sin. And she shall shave her head, implies that a person will rid his mind of all the negative intentions and beliefs and let her nails grow avoiding material comforts. She shall remove her, uh, her garments of captivity from upon her. That means that uh, that was uh, sort of uh, generated by the body's transgressions. And she shall weep for her father, referring to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and her mother, which is referring to the Holy Shina, for a full month, namely the month of Elo in order to make amends for all of one's averis by doing, by doing tshuva. So, now we can sort of combine this wonderful interpretation of the Ariza concerning the captive, the beautiful woman alluding to the neshama, right, that we have to free from its physical captivity during the month of Elo with the holy words of the of the Sfasemis. Sfasemis in in Elo right five six four seven says as follows We know that the, the zodiac sign says associated with Elo is Virgo right uh, he teaches us that there is an innermost place in the soul of every Jew that is not vulnerable 
and inaccessible to any outside foreign influences. Right? This spot is referred to as Besula. It's Virgo, a virgin. It's untouched and uncorruptible and untainted. That's a maiden. Regarding this protected innermost place, the Pasuk says in Shirashirim, Anilidaidi. I am devoted to my beloved. Why? For this element of the neshama has never been separated from its attachment and closeness to HaKadosh Baruch its source. It's not always possible, however, to find this spot. Yet, seeing as Elul is the time most conducive to perform tshuva, it is the opportune time for Jews to locate this innermost spot and connect with HaKadosh Baruch Hu there. As our storm, in fact, teaches us, in every single Jew, even if he is a frequent sinner, no matter who he is or what situation he is in, there exists a spot in the innermost chambers of his heart that is of divine origin. This divine spark is the root of a Jew's neshama that was implanted in him by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This sacred place remains untouched and untainted by one's sins and, and transgressions. It remains clean and pure. This is then the, the meaning of, of the Apostle in Vayikra. It says, And I shall be sanctified among, i.e. within, the Bnei Yisrael. By specifically using the term Besayich, which we can translate as, as within. We can interpret that as a reference to the inner divine sort of a, a locus within every single Jew. With this in mind, we can actually apply this. And I think the uh, Baruch Mezbez applies this concept to interpret the following Pasuk, a Pasuk in Tehillim, in Kapitel Lamed Zayin, which says, V'oid ma'at ve'ein rasha. Soon, there will be no wicked. V'isfananta you will contemplate his place and you will no longer be there. In other words, even a Jew that has committed so many Averis as to be considered wicked, nevertheless, void mat, there still remains within him the, that innermost spot, the Ain Russia. And in that place, there is nothing wicked. Because the damage caused by his misdeeds does not reach that spot. To which David HaMelech then praised HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Contemplate this innermost spot. And you will realize that his wickedness does not exist in this that innermost haven. 
For all of one's sins are merely external manifestations that do not stem from the depth of one's of one's heart. This is one one point nine. Chai FM, the program is soul to soul. We're going to be back in a moment with much, much more on this topic. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, back on your radio. Erev Shabbos, Kedish, Parashas, Ki, Seitzei, Tavshin, Pen, Gimel. We are in Chodesh Elo. We are striving, we are growing, we are heading towards Rosh Hashanah. And we're talking about the process of tshuva that is described in this week's parsha, regarding the man who goes to war and finds a wife, and we're talking about the holy spot, that central core spot of human being that can never be affected by any evil that a person does. And now perhaps we can begin to appreciate the complexity of the mitzvah of tshuva for It's so difficult to even comprehend how someone that has fallen prey to the Yetzirah is totally under his control and and is filthy with Averis. How can they suddenly awaken and summon up the strength to to, uh, do a hitherto unheard of things and perform tshuva? The explanation, however, is that the mechanism and the source of the mitzvah of tshuva relies on on the holy innermost spark that we have been discussing. And, And that we said that spark remains untainted by a person's sins. By igniting this inner spark one is able to arise to perform sincere tshuva and to heal all of his 248 limbs and 365 sinews. This incredible concept is also explained in, in, uh, in David Shalom, in, in the name of our, of our, of our great, great teacher, the, the Sar Shalom of, of Bel Zuchusa Yogen Olenu. says, once on Tubishvat, at his special, special tish, while discussing the posuk, again, the posuk in Tehillim, Shira Mailas, Mima'amakim Krasich Hashem, a song of ascents from the depths, I call to you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And he raised the question, how is it possible for a person to overcome the Yetzirah that controls him? To accomplish this feat, a person should beg HaKadosh Baruch Hu to arouse the holy spark that, that occupies one's innermost being. That place where the Yetzar has no power or control. In this manner, he will overcome the Yetzar and draw closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This then is the meaning of the apostle. Sheer Hamalis Mimamakim Kosikoshim. I beg you, Akarish Prochu, from the deepest, innermost portion of my heart that remains untouched by the harmful effects of, of my others. Now, perhaps, we can even better appreciate the remarks 
of what the Svasama said. Now, right, we said the zodiac sign associated with Elul is a virgin, Virgo. It indicates that there is an internal spot within a Jew's being that is untouched by foreign influences. So let's explain in, in sort of keeping with our, our, our discussion. The month of Elul is designated for tshuva. As you have explained, the source of tshuva is kind of eliciting that inner spot that remains untainted by one's others. Therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu performed an incredible chesed on behalf of Yisrael by giving us the month of El at the end of the year. During this special month, represented in the heavens by the Virgin, a, a Jew's innermost being, untouched by the Yetzirah, can be revealed. Thus, he can be aroused to perform tshuva, to purify all of his bodily limbs from the straight stains of all the Averis he may have done. In keeping with the words, Mimamakim Krosicha, summoning HaKadosh Baruch Hu from the innermost self. Based on the remarks of the Svasemis. So now we can also gain a tremendous, tremendous understanding of what the Arizal said and how he interpreted the Psukim at the beginning of our Pasha. He said, You'll see amongst the captives a woman who is beautiful of form. And he interpreted that as an allusion to the Neshama. So we can perhaps uh, 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 state that he's referring specifically to that inner place in the Neshama that is untainted. That spot remains the beautiful woman right, in a spiritual sense. It is a spot that is untouched by any foreign, undesirable influences and remains unblemished by a person's wrongdoings. During the month of Elul, symbolized by the Virgin, it is our task to release her from captivity by doing tshuva, by performing whatever we need to do to heal our body and so, if we kind of follow this this concept, so let's go back to the pasuk which you began. When a man marries a woman, so he shall not go out to the army, nor shall it obligate him for any matter. He shall be free for his house for one year, and he shall gladden his wife whom he married. So perhaps we could now propose that this alludes almost, almost fantastically to the month of El, represented by the constellation Virgo. After all, the beautiful woman, right, the unblemished inner self every Jew reveals anew during the month of El is the new wife. That is the the Isha Chadasha. That's the new wife that we're finding in, in, in ourselves. Therefore, 
The Torah instructs him, don't go out to the army. In other words, to make sense of this. So we need to refer to the opening pasuk, actually of last week's parsha, which talks about shayftim v'shaytim titen l'chol b'chol shorecha. Right? Judges, officers, shall you place, and they shall judge the people with truthful judgment. Now the Kriyaka interprets this pasuk based on an exposition in the, in the Gemara Bab Metziah on Kufzain Amut Amut Beis. And it says, it is related to a pasuk, a pasuk in, in Sfanya that says, It says, improve yourself and improve each other. And, and, uh, and, uh, you know, it's first correct yourself and only afterwards correct, correct others. So, when the Pasuk says, judges and officers shall you place, it means that you should first improve yourself by judging the correctness of your own actions and only then improve others. Judge the people with truthful, truthful judgment. Only, only afterwards. So therefore we can interpret the Torah's warning as it says as follows. When a man marries a new wife, referring to his inner unblemished self, that is revealed in the month of Elul. To inspire him to do tshuva right, and, and repent. So we're told he should not go out to the army. Right? Don't go motivate others to repent by doing tshuva. Instead, he should abide by the dictum to first improve yourself. Then, the passage continues, nor shall he obligate him for any matter. In other words, he should take care not to commit any any semblance even of an Avera and Elo. As in fact, the Chasm Sefer in, interprets this as a warning to all of us who are Balei Tshuva, do not commit even a minor transgression, even something that is only uh, uh, slightly prohibited. Don't get involved in. So this gives us a, a, an incredible interpretation of then the continuation of the pasuk. Not so he shall be free for his house for one year, based on what the the uh, Sharamelech writes. Concerning the statement of the Mishnah, the Mishnah in Ksuvis Daf Nun Zayin, which says that a virgin is afforded 12 months, right? He asserts that the Chazal were alluding to the month of Elo, whose zodiac sign we said is a virgin. She is afforded from above the power to rectify through tshuva all the wrongdoings of the past 12 months. Thus, we can interpret the pasuk as follows. He should be free for his house for one year because in the month of Elul, when the innermost aspect of the neshama is revealed, then the Aishis Yefas player, that person, is capable of rectifying 
through tshuva the entire past year, rendering it free of any blemish or transgression at, at, at all. Continuing onwards on this really amazing, amazing derech. So we can now interpret the conclusion of the Pasuk. And he shall gladden his wife whom he has married. How does this relate to the month of Elul? It relates to the previous part of the Pasuk. He shall be free for his house for one year. Meaning that during the month of Elul, he should aim at rectifying the entire past year. This, however raises the following difficulty. The month of Elul precedes Rosh Hashanah, which is the day of judgment. As such, the tshuva during this month is motivated by Yira, by all of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, of the upcoming judgment. As in fact, in Tuvim Arachayim, in Simon, Tov Kufpei Aleph explains that the shoifer is blown throughout the month of Elul to inspire Yinin to perform tshuva. As it's written in Paskin Amos, right? It's possible to sound the shoifer in a city and the people do not, do not tremble. Now, we have learned, actually the Gemara Numa, on Pevav says that as a result of tshuva based on Yira, so what happens is any sin one may have done intentionally so are transformed into unintentional sins. In that case, if one performs this variety of tshuva in Elo, it will not rid him completely of the Averis of the past year, he will still be tainted by unintentional Averis, which also require a, a, a tshuva. Right? That's pointed out in, in, in the Midrash, in the Midrash Tanchuma. Right? In relation to the Pasuk, which says, Nefesh kisechato bishkaga, mikal mitzvah sashem, asher loisiyasena, if a person does an Avera, Right? Unintentionally. From amongst all of the mitzvahs of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that he may not be done, right? Indicates that when someone sins, even unintentionally, it's not a good sign for him. Because, Avera Goyeres Avera. One Avera leads to another. You know, even an unintentional Avera may lead to another Avera. So it appears that this is why the Torah emphasizes that one must gladden his wife whom he has married. In other words, he has to ensure the happiness of his inner self that is revealed during the month of Elul. Right? The Eishes Yifastaya. To accomplish this, he must perform sincere tshuva inspired by a love because with regards to tshuva done out of love, there the Gemara teaches in the same place that gedoyla tshuva, tshuva is great, shezedoynais nasa loikiz chuyas. That 
uh, it's so great that it's so effective that it actually transforms intentional sins into merits. As a result, he will indeed gladden his inner self. It will no longer remain captive to his bodily confines since it will be cleansed of any blemishes in the merit of the tshuva that's done be'ava. So perhaps we can bring a raya for this, a support for this, that we are all capable of performing tshuva of ava in this month of Elul from the the comments of the the Bach also there in in uh, in uh, in Tafkuf Pe'alef he explains the rationale for blowing the shofar throughout the month of 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 El. He brings right support from the pasuk. Pasuk says in Shirashirim, it says E'ani le'doidi ve'doidili, right? Which of course the first letters spell El. And its final letters, right? Yud, 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 and your four Yuds equals 40. Corresponding to the 40 days from Meshchadish Elo until Yom Kippurim. Because during these 40 days, it is customary to perform tshuva, to have one's heart close to his to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, through tshuva, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Adoyi Hashem, his beloved, is likely to accept his tshuva of, of, of Ava. That, so his point is, it's so, so clear. You know, it, it's customary to perform tshuva during this 40-day period. And as a result, to draw closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and to be accepted by HaKadosh Baruch Hu with open arms, so to speak. Accordingly, we can understand the tour's explanation for this rationale, for blowing the shofar during El to inspire Yilin to perform tshuva, as follows. Initially, a person must perform tshuva at the very beginning based on Yira, based on awe. Nevertheless, without a doubt, the goal of tshuva is to ascend spiritually until one attains the level of tshuva based on ava. The combination of the two will assure that ultimately all of one's sins, both intentional and unintentional, will be viewed as mitzvahs, as, as merits for, for the, uh, for the person. So just kind of summing up, I think we've come and we've gained a better understanding of the, the uh, words of the, of the, of the Bach during El. HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes nearer to Klai Yisrael with tremendous, tremendous love. This prompts Yisrael to respond to the, all the prosecutors and all those twenty them. We're able to overcome them. Right? And it says, My beloved has gone down to his garden, to the spice beds, to wander in the garden. Hence, like a reflection in water, Yisrael reciprocates by performing sincere tshuva. They are so inspired that even during Aserus Yimei Tshuva, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu has already returned from the field, so to speak, right, to sit 
on his throne of judgment, they continued to perform tshuva of Ava. This is all transpires as a result of the love that HaKadosh Baruch Hu shows Yisrael during the month of Elo. At this point, we can interpret the following Pasuk very, very beautifully. It says, He shall be free for his house for one year. This means that with his tshuva that one performs in the month of Elul, one can make amends for the entire past year. <coughs> one will be free and clean of all sin, even inadvertent sins. How is this accomplished? The simach is by making one's inner self happy, inspiring it to return to Hakadosh Baruch Hu by means of tshuva based on ava, right? Reflecting back to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, the incredible love and affection that He shows Klaisho in the month of Avelo, like our reflection in in water. Therefore, in summary, during the month of El, Akadosh draws near to Kaisal, like the king in the field. This enables every single Jew, without exception, to get closer to Akadosh Therefore, it behooves us to take advantage of and make the most of this wonderful opportunity afforded us by Akadosh Baruch Hu. During the month of El, Every Jew should get as close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu as he is able to via sincere tshuva. He should pray better. He should schedule regular fixed times to learn Torah. In the merit, we will be rewarded with a ksiva v'chasima teva. will be inscribed and sealed for a wonderful, blessed year to come. And Be'ez Hashem be privileged to witness the arrival of the true righteous Redeemer. May it happen sweetly and in our days. This is what one point in the program is soul to soul. We'll be back in a moment with our Hilchoshapaskat. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 Chai FM. Welcome back to the show. This is 101.9. This is Chai FM. And this is the Friday edition of Soul to Soul. Erev Shabbos Kodesh Pashas Ki Seitzei Tafshin Pei Gimel. We're already one week into Chodesh El as we prepare for Rosh Hashanah and all of the Yom that come afterwards. But... As we always do at this point, let's talk about Shabbos and the important times and details you may need to know for this coming Shabbos. So, this afternoon, the earliest time to light your candles is at 4.41. 4.41, you can already bench licht nice and early, nice and soon. Start the Shabbos ball rolling. Get that Kedusha into your home. Get the week over. Get all the stress and all the fadrus and all the worries of the week out of your mind as we effort, as we make a real effort to show HaKadosh Baruch Hu how much we look forward to, how much we cherish, how much we value, how much we anticipate 
and look forward to his his Shabbos. So we want to kick it on as soon as possible. 441, guys, you can light your candles and you can usher the Kedushas of Shabbos already at that time into your home, into your lives, into your mind, and into your very, very consciousness. If for whatever reason you're unable to make that beautiful deadline, then we do have extra time, of course. The latest time for lighting Shabbos candles this coming Shabbos is 5.34. 5.34 is the latest time for lighting Shabbos candles. Obviously, after that, we have to consider that Shabbos has started. Everything by then should be done. Shabbos should definitely be taken on in the home at that at that point, uh, you know, no one else in the house really should be doing malacha after that time. The key should be put away. The food should be hot. We should be dressed. Everything should be ready at that, at that time. Don't rely on the minutes after, uh, candlelighting time. Those minutes before Shkia, those are set aside for injury situations, for times where someone really, really is as a desperate situation. They may do malacha after the candlelighting time, all the way until, until, uh, uh, Ashkia. Shkia, of course, is at 5.52, eight minutes before, before six. That is really the absolute laziest time, even in an emergency, where one has to put on brakes and start, and start Shabbos, 5.52. So if you want to be able to dive in Mayrev, at night and not have to repeat the Krishma. So you have to wait till about 10 past 6, 6, 10. You can read that Mayrev and say, Krishma, fulfill the mitzvah, say the Raisa, the Torah, prob- the Torah obligation of saying the Krishma every night and then come home and settle down to a beautiful, beautiful evening of some delicious, delicious foods and some yummy company and some good divertida, and yeah, make it a beautiful, beautiful, don't just fall asleep, I know we're all tired, it's all been a long, hard, stressful, tough week, and we really just want to put our head on the pillow, let's make a beautiful evening first, and then there's time afterwards, to be able to have a good, a good Shabbos, Shabbos uh, uh, Ashlaf. Tomorrow morning, so we're going to be laning, Pashas Kiseitze, Pashas Kiseitze, is one of the busiest, Pashas, in the whole Torah, in terms of all sorts of mitzvahs, in every area of life, as, as mentioned in in this week's in this week's uh, uh, parsha, and the Haftarah. Again, this is already week number five of the special uh, Haftarahs of uh, between Rosh Hashanah and and Yom Yom. I'm saying Tishbav and and Rosh Hashanah. It's the Haftarah of Rani Akara Loi Yolanda, sing you bad woman, even if you have, even though you haven't given birth, Baruch Hu still loves you and cherishes you. It's connected to the after we read two weeks ago on, on Pasha's Ray, also a very, very short, short after. And we, uh, yeah, we, we go for it. Shabbos day continues. It's a beautiful, beautiful Shabbos. Shabbos is getting a little bit longer. So we now have three Shabbos's left until Rosh Hashanah. So in an endeavor to sort of get through Prikhyavas one more time. So this week we're going to uh, uh, read uh, Prokim Aleph and Beis, Aleph and, and Beis. 
uh, leave yourself a bit of time to do that and, and study it and get into, into the Mishnayas. Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night at 6.24. 6.24 is the end of Shabbos, and we get into another busy and challenging Elul week to try to sort of make something of ourselves, use our time properly, and, and get really what we want to be getting uh, three weeks from now, when we stand in front of Hakadosh Baruch Hu on on the Yemen, we are learning the, through the dinim of Boirer, of separation, and we're talking a little bit about the Isra of taking out the the psilus, the undesired food from the desired food. And as we taught, that if you do something as you're eating, so the normal way is to, when you're eating, to take the food you want to eat in order to eat that straight away. But if you take out the food you don't want from amongst the food that you want, so we said you violate this prohibition of, of, uh, of, of Baira. Now I said, even when the psalis is a very, very small amount, there's a small amount of things you don't want, and it'd be much, much easier to take it out from the mixture and just leave what you want, if one does it that way, if one would take out the little bit of, of, of things that you don't want, you'd be over, you'd violate this isser of, of butter. For example, let's say a bit of eggshell fell into your, your egg salad. So you're not allowed to take it out, just the shell by itself, because it's also to take the, the thing you don't want. Obviously, you don't want the shell from the food. Rather, you have to take the shell out with a little bit of of the eggs. And since it's possible to eat the piece of of egg that you're taking out, which is connected to the shell, so therefore that already gives it chashivas, and therefore it's considered as if you're separating some food from other foods, and therefore there's no there's no issue. Similarly, let's say a, 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 a lemon pip fell into your salad. So again, don't take it out by itself, but take it out together with a little bit of the, of the, uh, of, of the salads. Similarly, if let's say you have a, a cluster of grapes that have mostly yummy, delicious grapes, but you have a couple of not such nice ones. Again, you cannot take off from the cluster the ones that you don't want that are not nice, but only when you want to eat them. So take the grapes that you want, the good ones, and eat and eat those ones and leave the other ones uh, behind. Similarly, let's say someone doesn't like onions. And they bring him a salad that has pieces of onion in it. So you're not allowed to take them out of the salad because they are considered by him as being psilus. But if you want to eat the salad, so fine. Eat all the ones that you like very much and leave over the pieces of onion on the plate. Right? And if you have someone else that, that, that doesn't mind eating the pieces of of onion in the salad. So then you'd be allowed to take out the onion in order that your friend would be able to eat it straight away. And in such a way, even the pieces of onion are now also considered to be food because someone else wants to eat them. And then you can take them out and give it and give it to your to your uh, to your friend. Right. Um Say another example, let's say someone doesn't like pasta 
and they bring him find out some delicious chicken soup, and inside is lots and lots of noodles. So you're not allowed to take them out. And even if you're going to take out with the noodles a little bit of, uh, of, of, of soup, still, since you want to remove lots, mostly, of all the noodles, so it's clear that your intention is only to remove the, in, the, the undesired food, which is the noodles. And therefore it's considered as if you are choosing and, and separating out the undesired food from amongst the edible food. And you'll be over the Isser of, of, of Bayer. But let's say you have someone else at the table, a friend who loves that, uh, a pasta. And he's prepared to eat it right away. Then you'd be allowed even to take out, spoon out the the pasta from his plate, and to give the the to the to put it in the plate of somebody else so that they they can eat it. That's certainly you're allowed to do. We're going to come back after the break with our last few comments. This is one one point nine Chai FM. The program is sold to soul, and this is the greatest. Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, soul to soul, back on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Pashas Kisei Tzetov, Shin Pei Gamer. We are learning the laws of Boyer, of separating on, on Shabbos, and we're talking about the second condition necessary for Boya to be permitted, and that is for consumption right away. As we learned already before, the prohibition of the Mloch of Boya is when it's done in an industrial kind of way. But if someone separates the foods from the undesired material in order to eat it straight away, that's not considered part of the malacha of Bayer. Because it's normal when you're eating to separate the things you want. Therefore, let's say a person wants to uh, open some nuts for his whole family, for, for whatever. So, uh, uh, if it's in order for them to eat them right away, so you're allowed to. And if you want to uh, uh, serve them only later, you're not allowed from the Torah to open them up long before because that is the way it's done sort of industrially. And similarly, let's say someone has a whole mixture of different kinds of seeds, some are black, some are white, and he wants to eat dafka, the black ones. So if he's going to separate the black seeds, in order to eat them later on, you're going to violate the Isser of Baira Minatayra. But if you want to eat them straight away, you're allowed to take out all the seeds, the black ones that you want. You can, you can do that for immediate consumption. Let's say there's a woman, a woman is busy preparing the, the meal. So she's allowed to choose the food that she wants for her whole family. And, and her guests, let's say for example, uh, she has a whole mixture of, of again, different kind of nuts and, and almonds and, and, and cashews, and she wants to serve just the almonds. So she's allowed to, before she serves the, the, the meal, she can take out all the almonds and to put them in a plate in order to serve them at the end, at the end of the meal. 
even though it's before the meal, if she's preparing the meal and she wants it for dessert, she can prepare it just for the meal. And even if the suit is going to take, I don't know, three hours, since she's preparing them right near the beginning of the meal, and that's a normal thing. Usually in the kitchen you prepare all the food you need for the whole meal, right, in order to serve it during the course of the of the meal. So therefore, taking out the the almonds was considered derech achila, was considered a normal part of eating, and it's not considered a malachas spoiler and and it's mutter. The main thing, right, that uh, is that the 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 choosing of the food should be just before the suda. That means at the time where it's normal to prepare for the suda. But let's say you're going to do it long before that, right? So then you're going to be over the Yisra Baya, right? Everything is depends on the number of people and and the size of the of the meal, right? If you can't compare a meal where there's going to be, I don't know, uh, uh, four or five people to a, to a meal where there's going to be 30 people, right? Nor can you compare a Suda that has uh, 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 just one course to a Suda that has three or four courses, Right? And if someone doesn't know exactly when, uh, people let's say are gonna come back home from Shul, wherever they are. So then the mother is allowed to begin her preparation and her separation of the food and separate what she wants from the, from what she doesn't want for the purpose of the Suda in order that they shouldn't have to wait for her. She should be ready when everyone comes. But she should be careful not to do it too early you know, at a time where absolutely for sure the meal is not going to start, so that you should prepare the suda, uh, uh, be ready before when they, when they, when they come. And if someone wants to choose the food from the undesirable food, let's say for the next meal, and then he has a little bit left over from what he prepared, let's say also then for shalshudas, so that's not a problem at all, provided that he doesn't do it as a trick. Well, I only need three things, but I'll prepare six because I want them for shalshudas. That you can't do. But if there's genuine leftovers, that is that is fine. Okay, that's about all the time we have this week. Just enough time to wish you all a beautiful good Shabbos. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for being part of our family. To each and every one of you, a Shabbat Shalom.